the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you're following along in your pew Bible, it's page 827. We're not on page 54 anymore. Uh, We've been on page 54 for a while, walking through the Ten Commandments. And um, I really enjoyed walking through those um, so slowly and thinking about God's will for us. And I'll also say that as we did that, there was this longing in my heart for this idea that, that we want that world. Who would not want that world characterized by people living into those things? But also this, this frustration and this struggle that we can't get our act together and do it. And so this morning, listening to and thinking about the gospel of all that God has done for us through Jesus in response to what we couldn't do for ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I told the first service that I've been thinking about this Sunday for about a year now. And that's because I was... um, about a year ago on a Monday, I guess what would be tomorrow, I got up like I usually do, and I drove early to the church to exercise, to work out. I, I know you can look at me and tell that I lift weights a lot. So I came up to the church to work out, and I was in there like I always do, and usually I listen to a sermon, um, at least one. And so I, I dialed up a sermon from uh, Church of the Advent here in town, and I'll have to tell you that I was just a little bit kind of as it started, I was kind of like, oh, too bad. The guys just kind of had a voice that wasn't that pleasant to listen to and kind of this slow kind of way that he spoke. And I thought, oh, man, might have to find a different one here in a moment if this doesn't pick up. But I had one of those moments where I think the Lord humbled me. And as I listened to this man talk and describe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was just so moved by what he had to say. And it didn't matter how he sounded saying it. It was the truth of Scripture coming to me in a way such that I texted it to a couple of friends of mine. I was like, you got to listen to this sermon. And it was on the occasion of Reformation Sunday where we, we think about the Protestant Reformation. We think about getting the Scriptures eventually in, if you went to the earlier uh, Sunday school experience, common vernacular which just means in a language that you could pick up and read like we have our Bibles. And as he he preached the gospel, I said, if I were to be a pastor this time next year, I'm going to do that. 
I'm going to preach the gospel as clearly as I can so that people come that maybe they'll leave feeling the same way that I felt in that moment. Rejoicing in Jesus, exalting in the salvation that was mine. And so that's the plan for today. We'll see if we get there. Now, here's the thing I want you to think about. If you had to explain Christianity to someone, how would you do it? Imagine you left church today and you went somewhere for lunch and uh, someone said, hey, you went to church today. Like, what is Christianity about? Can you explain it to me? It might be that you at first you kind of, let me see, what would I say? And I think it's in part because we use the word Christian to describe so many different things. Sometimes we're like, there's Christian music, there's Christian movies, there's Christian ethics, Christian books, Christian politics. There's all of these ways that people want to use the word Christian as a descriptor of something. And if we're not careful, you and I are so accustomed and so used to things like Christianity or so used to things like gospel that if we're not careful, we forget exactly what it is that we're talking about. And so what I want to do just as hopefully as clearly as I can, talk about our situation and our need for God to do something for us, to save us, what exactly he did for us in Jesus, and then what our response to that ought to be. Now, Paul starts out in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, not the NIV that you have in the pew, only because I've read this passage so many times in this version that it's most comfortable to me. But Paul starts out, and he says in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, it's really important for us to understand what our condition is before God is at work in our lives. And the reason that we need to have a really clear understanding of that is if we don't understand how desperate our need is for Jesus, then we can't fully appreciate what he's done for us in Jesus. Now, I know enough to know, look around the room even, that there are some doctors, there are some pharmacists here in the room. And one of the things about being a doctor that's important is that you have to accurately diagnose what's wrong with your patient. And then your patient has to grasp the seriousness of what's going on if they're going to respond to the prescription that you have there for their healing. Correct? So, so doctors look and they have a diagnosis and then they tell you what your diagnosis is. And one of the most frustrating things, I think, when I talk to doctors or pharmacists is when they give a prescription for how you can be better and the patient's like, meh, I might take the medicine if I feel good. I might change my diet. I don't know. I don't think it's that serious yet. That when they don't understand how serious their diagnosis is, they can't respond appropriately to what you're trying to do for them to help them. In a similar manner that you and I have to understand what our condition is apart from Christ before we can respond in faith and I think appropriately appreciate all that God's done for us in Jesus. Recently I read in one of the Gospels that Jesus kind of said this himself. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but to call whom? Sinners. And then he said, it's not healthy people that need a doctor. It's sick people. And if you don't know that you're sick, then you don't go to the doctor. And if you don't know that you 
need Jesus, you're not going to go to him for salvation. And so Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. How much worse does it get than dead? I mean, dead's about as bad as you can get. We had a former youth minister here at one time was talking about uh, mountain climbing or something, or bike, uh, mountain biking. He was like, the goal was to not get dead. Because when you get dead, there's nothing you can do to come back, right? There, there's nothing on the other side of that. And so Paul says that our situation, apart from God's gracious work in our lives in the person of Jesus, is that we are dead. We're not just kind of like misguided. We're not just kind of like generally good people. We just need a little self-help and direction and we can straighten ourselves out. But we need God to do this miraculous work of salvation in our hearts that we can't do for ourselves. All right, now listen to what Paul says that God did in Jesus, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so what did God do for us in Jesus? We were dead and he made us alive together through faith in Christ. Now look back in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read this for you because Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they could understand this and like really grasp and believe this to be true about themselves. Because you remember, if you don't really think this is true, then you're not going to appreciate the salvation that God has worked for you in Christ. And so Paul prays in Ephesians 1, 18. He says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Did you notice that, that Paul says, I'm hoping that you can see and understand the significance of what God has done for you in Jesus and the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead, that, that same power would be at work in our hearts that we might see and understand and respond to the gospel in faith. Why do we worship on Sundays? Today is a day of what? Resurrection. That we have this huge Easter Sunday celebration. And just look around. I just want to tell you that this Easter there were a few more people than this here. We had that huge Easter resurrection celebration because we know the significance of that day. And every Sunday that we worship, it is, in a way, this, this mini Easter. Where we think about the significance of what God did in raising Jesus from the dead. And I think there's a part of us that we understand that. We understand that God's powers that were raising Jesus from the dead but we don't always make the connection that it's that same power that's at work in our hearts to help us to see and respond to Jesus in faith. That it's not just kind of like math. 
And you didn't kind of just get it because you're smarter or better than someone else. Right? That you didn't just see and understand Jesus and like, well, I'm morally superior or I'm smarter or I can see it in the scriptures. But God in his grace and his mercy, just as he raised Jesus from the dead, is at work in our hearts to help us to see and respond to salvation through faith in Jesus. And here's two things that ought to work in our hearts as we see that. At least. One, you and I ought to be characterized by humility. Salvation is by grace through faith. Why? So that no one may what? Boast. So that no one may boast. Now, have any of you ever boasted or been proud? I was proud last Saturday night, and today I come to you in humility, right? There is this this pride that we feel when we accomplish something great or vicariously live through 18-year-old young men, but there is this, this idea that we're proud of things that we are good at or that we've accomplished a lot of, so that, like, if you've got a lot of smarts in your head, you can be smart, proud that you're so smart. Or if you've worked and you've amassed lots of stuff in your life, you can look at that and say, look at all this stuff that I've amassed. I'm proud of this. But when you read Ephesians chapter 2, the only person that Paul talks about being rich in anything is God. And you can almost hear Paul struggling to adequately explain or express the grace and the kindness and the mercy that God's extended to us in Jesus. Did you hear that? Listen again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you hear Paul just saying, God's grace In mercy, he's rich in it, that God chooses to be benevolent and kind to you even though you didn't deserve it. And it's immeasurable the way that he loves us. So that you and I, as we focus our hearts and minds on who God is and the love, the extreme, the immeasurable, the almost incomprehensible love that God shows for us in Jesus, ought to make us humble people that respond and really we're filled with this question of like, why? Like out of all the people on the face of the planet, why would you draw me to yourself through faith in Jesus? And so often I'm reminded of my sin and my need for God's grace. Are you? Like just yesterday for me? And there is this way in which I can even wake up, and I listened to a sermon recently, which is, I do a lot of that. Listen to a lot of sermons. This guy was talking about the gospel, and he said that there can be a way that you and I wake up, and we feel like we're starting our day in the red. You, you identify with that? I mean, I woke up, after I heard that sermon, I woke up every morning, and I'm like, ugh. Like, amen, I identify. 
Like I think about the rest of my day or I think about how I've messed up or I think about the fact that I'm not enough. And there can be in me this desire that, hey, I'm going to get it today. I'm going to be better. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to live up to those standards. And usually I get to the end of the day and guess what I'm still in? The red. And if we think about Christianity primarily as, hey, do all this stuff and you can be better and you can maybe live up to these standards and earn God's salvation, then there's going to be no joy in that. Or if we think we've got it, we're going to be really proud and arrogant people. And Paul says, here, you've been saved by grace through faith in what God has done for you in Jesus. It is not a result of your works so that nobody can boast. I hope that you leave church today with this sense of weight lifted off your shoulders if you're like me. That like, yeah, you can't do it well enough. You can't measure up. You can't do anything to earn God's love. That's kind of the whole point and reason why Jesus came. There's no reason for him to come if salvation was possible through your own works and effort. And so he says, this is the good news of the gospel. So we ought to be humble people who are in awe of God's grace and mercy that he's extended to us in Jesus. And then we ought to be really hopeful people. Really hopeful people. Because if God can work this miracle of salvation in our hearts, even people like us, then the truth of it is, is that God can work this work of salvation in anyone's heart. So we go out these doors of the sanctuary and we really do feel like we've been given this good news of salvation that's available to all people. And we just humbly and hopefully hold out the good news of salvation available to all people through faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you know this or not, but some people think Christians are a little bit proud and arrogant. I don't know if you've heard that before. Some people think that everybody in the sanctuary is here today and we're like, yeah, we're, we're good. We're morally superior. We showed up because we're doing the right thing. And all those people who are out playing golf or whatever they're doing, those people. The truth of the matter is that, that we're here today not because we're better. We're here today because we know that we need Jesus. We're here today because we believe that God speaks through his word and the community and the fellowship and that left to our own devices, we're going to mess everything up. And so we go out, and I want you to go out of the doors today with this sense of joy that, that in spite of who you are, in spite of what you may have done, that God's love for you in this moment, if you are in Jesus, is at an all-time high. And no matter how bad you mess it up this week, God's love for you is going to be at that same all-time high. And so you seek to obey and live for him, not out of a desire to earn something from him, but out of a sense of love and gratitude for all that you already have been given in Jesus. Those are vastly different things. I want you to pray with me. God, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've extended to us in Jesus. 
And Lord, we know that at the work you've done in our hearts, we want to feel and know that it's not something that, that we earn, not something that we deserve. We weren't kind of on our way and you lifted us up, but that we were dead apart from Jesus. And this resurrection power that raised him from the dead has raised us to new life through faith in Christ. And it's all because of your love and your mercy and your kindness and your grace. And we simply receive it by faith. So Lord, I pray that the gospel would be good news ringing in our ears this week and that you would make us humble people who boast only in Jesus and what you've done for us. And that we would be hopeful people and that we would hold out the hope of the gospel to anyone who would listen, that they would be drawn to you through faith. And we offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.